Hello, and welcome to Registered the Podcast, where we highlight some of the incredible minds entering the healthcare profession in the midst of a global pandemic. Whether you work in healthcare or not, we come here to find stories of some incredible young people tackling tremendous challenges head on. Here, we laugh, we cry, we're scared, we're honest. My name is Kelsey, and I'm a NICU nurse, looking forward to introducing you to some of the truly incredible individuals I've met in the healthcare world. Hi guys, welcome back to part two of my interview with Mary. She is a COVID nurse in Washington State. In part one of this interview, we talked a little bit about her journey into nursing, um, her orientation, the start of her career, um, her transition and journey as her unit very suddenly turned into a COVID unit right when she came off of orientation. Um, And it was a really great episode if you're a new grad and want to hear a little bit about what that transition might look like for you during this COVID era. Um, go back if you haven't already and listen to that one. This episode is really cool. It's part two of this interview because we just talked so much that I could not cut it enough to be one episode. And I wanted you guys to hear all of the really great things that Mary said. Um, We talk a little bit more about her growth as a nurse since coming off of orientation. We, she gives me the 411 about what it's like to be a nurse caring for COVID patients and how that type of nursing looks different. Um, she talked about how it is for her to handle tragedy and death at 22. And we also talked about her life outside of work, work-life balance, her routine. And then we get into just some fun personality stuff. I am so grateful to all of you who have reached out about this episode and other episodes, who have talked to me about your own journeys, um, and who have let me know that you're here and listening and are enjoying this. I'm really happy that you're enjoying these because I'm enjoying making them too. This was a really awesome conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear the other half. So after that first COVID patient, obviously you guys got more COVID patients. Um, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about your, the next, so how long ago was that when you had that first COVID patient and then where are we now and what has happened since then with you, with the unit, with your journey as a nurse? That, I would say that was like a little bit, oh, like three months ago. That's, it's been three months since I started taking three or four months since I've started taking care of COVID patients and um, kind of like what you said, we've definitely gotten more and more. Um, and right now is like a weird time where my hospital's COVID census is like fluctuating. And so we're, um, so now my unit is, has like COVID patients, but also non-COVID patients. And we're getting like a mixture of them. Um, but basically like throughout this, the last three months, I've definitely learned how to do like my assessments in a more efficient way. Like I tried my best not to stay in the rooms for too long um, because that's what they tell you per policy. Like don't stay in there, don't go in there unless it's like for things necessary. And so you get really creative with how you um, check out on your patients. Like I, uh, we have little windows that we can like close the blinds if they wanna sleep. But then I just like peek through there throughout the night to make sure they're still doing well. Um, Almost all of our patients, 
um, is hooked up to a continuous pulse oximetry so we can see how they're oxygenating from each of the nursing pods. Um, and one thing to like that I've learned with COVID patients is that they can be stable for a time being, but once they decompensate, it goes downhill fast. Um, and it's it's really scary. And that's when I've really learned to like trust my gut. Like when something just doesn't feel right to like ask one of my coworkers um, to lay their eyes on the patient, on the information and tell me like, is this a good time for me to maybe call another rapid response or to get the charge, charge in here to see if this patient needs to be transferred somewhere or something like that. Um, just learning, like building those gut feelings and learning to trust them. Um, also like learning how to interact with your patients while you're wearing all the COVID garb. <laughs> I mean, it's really, you've, you're really muffled already wearing the N95. So for us, we have to wear the N95 and a face shield. And so to have those two things in front of your mouth, sometimes our patients have a really hard time understanding what we're seeing. And it makes doing their assessments so much harder. Uh, we One thing that I have gotten really good at is using the disposable stethoscopes to like auscultate. And prior to like this whole experience, I was already having a hard time like auscultating with my normal Litman, like good quality stethoscope. And so for me to like get practice every single shift, like listening to people's lung sounds, to their heart, to their uh to their abdomen, like using like the super <laughs> cheap disposable stethoscope has um, helped me sharpen my skills. <laughs> and so that's been really great. Um, but yeah, just like doing things a little bit differently, a lot more creative with how I take care of my patients and still making sure that they're able to have like some kind of social interaction, whether it's with me or anyone else who might come into contact with the room, just taking a couple minutes to make sure that like they're able to have that human connection to be able to talk to somebody because all of our patients get to stay in their rooms with their doors closed for, you know, all day and all night. And it's super easy for them to get really lonely or start feeling delirious after staring at the same TV screen every day. So you've kind of like started to touch on this, but I just wanted to cover it more fully. Um, COVID nursing is essentially like, a new form of nursing that is now like popped up in the world. Like, I don't know, you could be an ICU nurse. You could, I mean, it's not obviously nowadays, it's definitely overlapping, but now you have the COVID nurse. Um, mm. And that's kind of interesting because that's a role that if, unless you're doing it, you don't really know what it looks like. Um, so you've kind of started talking about some of the differences. Like, I know you're not supposed to spend as much time in the room. Um, you have to oscillate with the uh, disposable stethoscopes. <laughs> Um, but what, give me and everyone listening the 411 of what being a COVID nurse looks like. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, it's definitely different. Um, a lot of times, like they push you in, like during the normal nursing days, they push you to do bedside report because it's great for the patients to be there when you give report to your nurse. But because of COVID, we can't do that. So we've just been doing it outside. Um, and then for for me, like I try to cluster my care as much as I can. So that means when I'm giving my medication, that's also when I'm doing my vital signs. That's also when I'm doing my assessments. That's also when I'm refilling their water, toileting them, changing out their linens if they need to, getting them you know, repositioned. It's like putting 
five different interactions that I that could be spread out into one moment that way I limit my you know my amount of time going in and out um, into these rooms um, and also just like really working as a team even more um, one thing is that once you're stuck in a room you don't want to like keep going in and out because one you don't want to keep opening the door to, to, you know, release exposure out in the hallways. And you also don't want to waste the PPE that you're already wearing. And so oftentimes I'd use like the patient's call light to ask for someone to bring me more supplies or if I need a second hand for a repositioning or a boost. Um, and then, so I talked about like that, like how we do report, how we're clustering our care. Um, as far as monitoring wise, like it's really about monitoring how their patients are oxygenating. Um, a lot of the times, like our patients are somewhat stable, but because like I said, COVID tends to make things happen a lot faster. It's really important to also be checking like other things that could be taking, that can be taken into consideration, um, like how their vitals are, how, you know, their um, talking, their orientation as far on top of like seeing how they're oxygenating their body. Um, and then also keep in mind, like some of these patients are admitted to my floor because of COVID, but also because of like another thing. So like just the other day, I was taking care of a really sweet lady who um, was admitted due to a COPD exacerbation and she has COVID. So like we're trying to keep an eye on both of those things. like she needs to be on supplemental oxygen, but because she's on COPD, we have to be very careful about how much oxygen we're giving her because we don't want her to retain. Um, or like another patient was in for um, like GI issues, but he had COVID. So we're trying to do our focus assessment on like all things GI while also trying to be mindful of his oxygenation and making sure that, you know, both of them are doing okay and are stable and aren't like making, um, making either one like uh, even worse, I would say. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else can I share about it? Um, no, that was really great. <laughs> um, have you, sorry, this is getting a little dark. Have you experienced death? Yes, I have. Um, and I, my, I would say I think I've witnessed uh, like five, four, four or five on my unit um, with one of those being my patient. Um, and I would say like the past couple weeks, there's been quite a bit more that have been passing. Um, and it's totally because of COVID. A lot of our patients um, are have transitioned into comfort care. And it seems like something, so the policy for us is we do post-mortem care for someone who has passed. And usually in the normal nursing days, a lot of my coworkers have shared with me that that usually happens like maybe a couple times a year. But ever since COVID happened and ever since we started caring for COVID patients, we have been doing like post-mortem care so often to the point where we're running out of the body bags. Like it's literally like on the top of our list to get re, um, refilled by distribution every time. And it was really hard because I have personally taken care of a couple patients who were actively dying and 
um, thankfully didn't pass while I was on shift, but um, like when I would come back, I would basically get an update on what happened. And it's just really, it's a lot to take in. Like you try your your best not to, you know, carry that baggage around with you. But then on the moments where like you get a breather, sometimes these patients, like their faces or their names start like brushing back to your mind and you think about all the different things that you could have done to help them feel more comfortable or um, help them like, you know, pass more peacefully. So that in itself has been really, uh, yeah, kind of like we said, it's been really dark. Uh, our hospital chaplains have been checking up on us during huddle every shift to give us like a little, a little spiel about how, you know, this is not a normal time in, in life and how things like PTSD and um, anxiety and depression are at an all time high to like caregivers because we're witnessing so many, so much death and dying. Um, and it's really important to like be able to acknowledge that, you know, your, your feelings about this and to be able to seek out help if that's what you need or be able to just even talk about it. Um, and let it out and not let it fester inside of you. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm really just jumping all over the place in this conversation with you right now, but I don't know. I just want to talk about this anyway, because it kept on, I kept thinking about like, you're 22, you're 22. What was I doing when I was 22? I mean, I'm 24. I'm basically the same thing, but like, (laughs) I don't know at 22, I was like finishing up, you know, just finished finishing up college and like, I don't know, going to the bar with my friends or like, I don't know, being in my sorority. Like, I don't know, like what you're seeing and what you're experiencing is in such another world from what it's like for most other 22 year olds to be 22, Um, COVID or not. Yeah, no one's going to the bar right now, but um, most 22 year olds are not firsthand experiencing people dying from COVID. And I was just wondering how that's affected you and if you feel like you're different and what your, how this has affected your life outside of nursing. Um, I definitely, I've definitely felt like the weight of, you know, seeing all the suffering and all the dying that I have in the past couple months. Um, And I think for me, it's just, it's made me a lot more empathetic to people, like whether they're my patients or whether it's just out in the real world, like it's made me think like, okay, you know, it what used to, you know, uh, trigger a fuse like driving or when you're shopping and something happens, you know, things that easily can make you mad. It's kind of like made me, uh, I guess, giving me a second perspective. I'm like, you know what? Like things could be so much worse right now. And I just need to be a little bit more understanding and be more empathetic to people in general. And especially to my patients, um, sometimes like I'll get patients that are really, really difficult. And I used to get really frustrated really easily, but because of what I've experienced in the past couple months, I would say that I'm a lot more patient with them. <laughs> like I, I still stand up for myself, but I definitely also try to understand how they're feeling from their perspective, like the frustrations of not being able to be in your own home, to be sick, 
um, to not have a lot of things in your control and to basically just take that out on the first person you see. Like, I understand why some patients are the way that they are because of their situation. And I think, yeah, just being more empathetic towards that and not, uh, not reacting to like the anger or like the hostility that they feed off of, but just trying to be patient with them. Um, I've also, I don't know, like, I guess it's, it's, a lot easier for me to see that there are things in life that aren't as big of a deal anymore because obviously like right now there are so many people dying because of COVID and I shouldn't be worrying about all the little things <laughs> in my life that are not even as significant as to that. Um, yeah, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, <laughs> but no. I think that that's essentially like how I, I've coped with it just be more understanding and being more empathetic and I don't that, know that is trying to understand it <laughs> that is such an amazing outlook I am like floored right now like you could be reacting in so many ways to this experience and instead you're finding ways to help it turn you into an even better person than the amazing person you already are like <laughs> wow I find that like incredibly inspirational um I want to talk just a little bit more about your experience being a new nurse because we focused a lot about COVID specific and like that's had a big impact on it, um, your experience. But I think there's also just general challenges that people face when they first start nursing that are pretty universal to all new nurses. Um, so I just wanted to hear you talk a little bit about some of the struggles you had like starting to come off of orientation just generally um, and looking back, like what would you say was most difficult? What would you say has helped you? Like, what would you tell yourself coming off of orientation? I have shared about this uh, a little bit on my Instagram, but definitely just like having those pre-shift anxieties. Oh my goodness. They used to be so bad to the point where like I would feel really nauseous before work um, and still to this point like to this day I can't eat a full-on meal during my shifts because if I have like too much food in my stomach and something happens like I swear my body just reacts by making me feel nauseous and so like the anxiety was definitely the worst um, on top of that I think like when I'm at work I really struggled with um, time management I would say I would often get stuck with my patients for a really long time. Like for one patient, I would be stuck in the room for like over 30 minutes. Um, and that would just kind of put the rest of my schedule even more off. And the whole night I would often play catch up. But I feel like I feel like that happens to anybody, whether you're experienced or not. It just depends on what your patient group is and also like just how your shift is going. Um, and as you keep going to work, you eventually find like a certain routine that works best um, and like tips like, okay, setting alarm after like 20 minutes, that's your alarm to get out of the room mm -hmm. <laughs> or your cue to get out of the room. Um, I've, I did that and that has worked great. Um, so yeah, just like knowing how, like not being stuck in a patient's room for a really long time, um, being able to learn how to do my assessments a lot more efficiently. Um, I guess like 
also understanding the medications that I give because that was a really huge source of anxiety for me is like okay like I need to use my critical thinking when I'm giving these medications especially when it's like some kind of blood pressure medication of course check make sure their blood pressure isn't low or whether I'm giving it like anything to do with that might affect their blood sugar make sure that they're not hypoglycemic um check their blood sugars like at the in the middle of the night or something to ensure that they aren't going downhill um just like those little things that I feel like I don't I was still trying to learn how to do it was like really it was a struggle to figure out what routine I wanted to to build for myself um but like I said that kind of comes with time and the more you work the more you figure out like okay like I like to do my vitals during this time I like to clump together these things uh my meds and my assessments at this time so that I can get it out of the way or like learning whether or not you like to do in-room charting versus like just putting a time mark on your charting and charting outside the room or catching up when you're on set um I also feared a lot about having to call the doctor, which I think everyone who's new definitely goes through. Um, like just using like the paging system was really intimidating and then having to talk to them over the phone, making sure that I was giving them all the pertinent information um, and being able to like communicate with them effectively um, was scary. <laughs> But I think kind of like, kind of like with everything else, the more you do it, the less scary it becomes. Um, And yeah, I think for me, like the day before my first shift back is the worst when my, like is the day that I get my worst pre-shift anxiety because all I could think about is work. And all of a sudden, instead of relaxing on my days off, all I think about is work. And so for me, it's just finding a good way to cope for that with that, um, whether it's like, you know, trying to distract myself by working out or watching a movie or trying to actually like verbalize why I'm worried about something and talk my way through it and, you know, like understand that these are valid feelings and um, it's okay for me to have these feelings, but it also is, you know, like I can only do so much when I'm sitting at home trying to enjoy my day off, (laughs) but all I can think about is work. Um, And then like, I think the other thing with being new is you also, like, struggle in the beginning to fit in a little bit. Like, of course, coworkers will always be nice. And a lot of times, like, everyone's super approachable and friendly. But also, like, you don't know these people. And, like, they're your people who you need to, like, ask for help. And it's really easy to get shy asking certain people that you maybe you don't work with often for help. Um, but my biggest tip is definitely don't be shy. Uh, ask all the questions, ask your charge for anything. Like it doesn't matter how often you're asking for help as long as you know that you can go to them for help and you're, um, you're not shy about it. Um, that's what will help make, keep your patients safe and keep you safe. Um, but yeah, I think those are really the, big hitters for me was my my anxiety about work uh, just building a routine talking to doctors getting to know my coworkers a little bit more and like finding my place in on my unit um and yeah like 
being able to interact with my patients in like a not awkward way. <laughs> like no one teaches you these things. <laughs> if you're already like not an outgoing person, like sometimes it's really hard to talk to your patients. And so you definitely have to learn how to do that and um, learn how to pick up on like nonverbal cues <laughs> so that you don't press the wrong buttons or, um, you know, like you're just making sure you're not um, instigating anything, I guess, when they're already not very happy to be at the hospital. Yeah, those are all really awesome tips and definitely all things I can relate to. Um, I really liked how you brought up um, the like looking at lab values before you do your nursing task Mm -hmm. and that kind of like critical thinking knowledge. Um, And that's definitely something that comes with time. And I feel like we've all been there or I've definitely been there where starting out you know, you're so just task oriented and you tell you, like, you remember nursing school, you tell yourself like, oh, like, I don't want to give potassium chloride if my patient's potassium levels from the last lab are high, like, duh, like answering on like a multiple choice question, you know, check the potassium level would be like the answer. But then like you're in, in the unit, like in the moment, and you're just trying to get X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D done. Um, and you just go and give that medication and then someone else is like, well, did you check their potassium? You're like, whoops. Um, and that I think is just a growing pain that is going to happen to everyone when you start, um, as much as you can prepare yourself and try to prepare yourself, it probably will happen to you. Um, and it doesn't feel good, but it's a good, every mistake you make is a good learning experience to have. And then, you know, not to do it again. And it's a little bit of learning by fire when you start as a nurse where you've got to mess up in order to know how to do things better. Um, anyway, those were all some really, really great tips. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what your life is like outside of work. Um, what do you like to do in your time off? Um, how do you, how do you schedule your sleep when you're off and when you're on? Um, so initially I was trying to flip anytime I was off. So that means flipping just means that on my days off, I wake up in the morning and I sleep at night. And then on the days, the nights that I work, I sleep during the day and wake up at night. But because, um, my body was just not tolerating that well, I basically had to convert to a full-time, like, night schedule um even on my days off which has been really difficult because there's not really much you can do at night um but essentially now i go to bed like anytime between like 2 to 6 a.m depending on if i work that night um if i work that following night i'll go to bed at 6 a.m but if i'm off the following day and night i'll go to bed at 2 a.m so it's a little bit early earlier but at least in that way my body still follows that same routine every day um and then i'll usually wake up like at around two o'clock regardless if i'm off or not um and then i i have Wait. a love love hate relationship with working three in a row like i love getting all my shifts out of the way but my goodness by the third night i am like dragging my feet out the door Wait, wait, hold on, Mary, a quick question before I like, am shocked beyond belief. You always wake up at two, like even if you're working a stretch, like between night, like two and three, you wake up at two. (laughs) So how much, how much sleep do you get? Um, well, on my, the days that I, or sorry, the nights that I work, I like try to get like six, maybe seven hours of sleep. (laughs) 
maybe if like dip, just depends on what time I work. Um, and then on the nights that I'm off, I like to like give myself like eight hours of sleep. So if you wake up at two, what time do you go to bed when you come home from work? Um, I, if it's like my, if I come to work the next night, I go to bed right away. Like, so usually it'll be like eight o'clock. Oh, oh, okay. So, it'll, so you probably, you probably don't have that much of a commute and I guess you get out like do you get out like right at seven uh usually yeah I mean not not all the time but I try my best to and yeah my commute's like 15 minutes so even if I don't get out right at seven I can still get home and like shower and just like climb into bed right away and that'll be like usually around like eight o'clock and then I'll wake up at two sometimes like I'll let myself stay in bed until three but usually my body wakes me up at two and then I get ready for work and I leave my house at 5.45 to get at work at 6 because I like to show up to work 30 minutes before because my, my shift doesn't technically start until 6.30. And then that whole thing kind of repeats itself. Um, and then on my days off, I'll go to bed at like 2 in the morning and I'll usually wake up like also at 2 in the afternoon. Um, sometimes I'll wake up a little bit earlier, but I'll try to stay in bed closer to two because especially if it's my first like day off um but that's like something that I'm slowly trying to transition into something more like kind of like what I did today I only got like five hours of sleep because I wanted to get up while there was still daylight but that didn't work out that well (laughs) so I'm still trying to wean myself away like to a more normal schedule because it, it really you can't get a lot of things done when you stay on a night shift schedule like you can't run errands. You can't really do um, like chores around the house because there's other people sleeping. You're very limited to what you can do at night. And so it gets a little lonely. Yeah, I definitely relate. So far for me, I've been like, well, it's been rough because I'm actually coming off of my orientation next week. Like I'll get my own patients um, oh. for the first time next week, which is super exciting. But um before until now my schedule's been based on my preceptors so it was like honestly awful like I would work like I would be on one off one on two off one on one off one on two off two on three like it was just a mess and so I by like I don't know the fifth day of that I was just like I need to see some sun Mm -hmm. like it's just it's so lonely um but yeah, I also, my work is a little bit, it's like slightly different than yours where like my s- schedule is from 7P to 730A. So that's how I was like, wait, how can she do that? Cause then, and then I have like a little bit longer of a commute. So by the time I get home and like crawl into bed, it's usually like 10 AM. Oh. So I was like, oh my God, I could not wake myself up at two. That's like a half sleep for me. <laughs> um, but now, now I totally see how you do that. Um, so what do you like to do on your days off? Um, it really depends on what I can, like what time I get up. I really like to get things done, like errands. I love running errands, um, whether it's like grocery shopping or like if I'm, I don't know, just like doing things for around the house, uh, cleaning, doing chores. I really, I really like doing that. Um, uh, during the night when it's like lull time, I enjoy watching movies. Um, my boyfriend and I have been like on a movie marathon streak. We finished watching all of the 
Harry mm -hmm. Potter series over again. We are currently in the process of uh, rewatching the Star Wars series. So we're just like watching all the movies. Um, prior to the pandemic, we really like going out camping because Washington has so many like great places to hike and camp in. And that's what we used to do like during like spring, summertime. Um, and now that it's like winter, um, we're slowly getting back into um, going to the mountains to go skiing and snowboarding. Um, but it really just depends on like what I have the energy for. <laughs> A lot of times it's just watching movies at home, um, being able to catch up on like my schoolwork now that I have school. Um, and yeah, like planning out how my week will go. <laughs> mm -hmm. There isn't really, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, there's not really much that we can do outside of the house right now. But for it's been a great opportunity to like really keep the house clean, make sure I'm on top of all my errands and my schoolwork and just give me that time to focus in. So do you live with your boyfriend? After I got that message from my charge nurse that we were officially getting COVID patients on our floor, that's when I kind of freaked out. I was like, I need to move out of my house. And so thankfully, one of our friends was um, allowing us to live in their house for the meantime while they were away visiting family. So we house sat for them for about two months. Um, and that ended at the beginning of January. And then after that, um, our other lovely friends who lived a little bit closer to the hospital opened their home to us. So now we're renting a room at their place. Um, and it's been really great. Um, my boyfriend and I um, get to uh, spend a lot more time together. And then also our commute to the hospital is so much shorter. Um, and basically like the next steps for after this is just to hopefully uh, move in together uh, at my boyfriend's house after we kind of get some things organized. I already received my second shot of the vaccine. So we're kind of just hoping that, okay, like with that being done, hopefully it's a little bit more safer to transition back home. And um, he only, it's only him and his mom at home. And so it wouldn't be like too many people at the house anyways. So that is our plan um, for the next couple months, like just learning how to transition from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Was that the question? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of moving. Yes, definitely. Um, and I know I'm probably moving this summer, not to like another state or anything. Like I'm not switching jobs, but I'm just going to have to move. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm already like stressed out about how to plan that and how to do that. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just the type of person that I like to have everything put away and like have my kitchen organized and like, you know, not be living in boxes. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't imagine like having all of those moves, like how did you manage it? And like, do you have any tips? Yeah, definitely just pack your essentials. Um, kind of like what you said, like living in boxes, that was literally me for uh, like the beginning of November, December-ish. Uh, we literally had all like just our clothes and our belongings in like bags. And I even contemplated about like even taking them out of the bags because we knew we were eventually going to have to move once we were done house sitting for our friends. Um, but I think just to make it feel more at home, we did end up like unpacking everything. But to begin with, we just only packed the essentials, like our clothes that we knew we would wear and um, like our te technology that we would be using every day, um, anything else that was important to us. Um, and then 
And the next time we moved, we even cut down um, on all the things that we brought over even more because we knew that we um, probably won't be using as much of the stuff that we packed the first time around. And yeah, just being, I guess, like organized with how you move, like picking a date to move everything and uh, making sure that you have enough time during that day to move everything so you're not feeling so rushed. Um, And also just being flexible because you never know what happens. (laughs) And you don't want to have like your hopes set on something and then something unexpected happens and you're, you're a little bit disappointed. So just learning how to be flexible with anything that might pop up while also still having like a preparedness to you um, has been helpful. Yeah, totally. Um, so you've talked a little bit, you have your family, you have your boyfriend. Sounds like you have some friends too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd love if you could talk a little bit about who composes your, you know, your main support system, your team, um, and about like how you manage your relationships outside of nursing, um, and like how being a nurse has impacted your relationships with people. I would definitely say that my main support system is my boyfriend. Um, He has been incredibly supportive, even with the whole um, switching to a different sleeping schedule. Um, Thankfully, he works from home and he works on his own hours. And he saw how much I was struggling with, like, learning how to sleep during the day that he offered to actually, like, also flip his schedule around. So now (laughs) we have the same schedule when I'm at work. He's at home working um, and we sleep during the same time. So it's been really great just having another person to like basically go through the motions with me. Um, I also have like such a great like friend group who live nearby um, and they're the ones who I've been like communicating with as far as like our living situation. Um, In the beginning, I was really worried about like not finding a place to stay on such short notice because like, of course, we could have found a hotel, but it's like not sustainable to be staying in a hotel for who knows how long. And um, just like finding an apartment like that quickly, I don't know, didn't seem ideal. Um, And so when we reached out to our friends, um, so many of them were like offering to basically like house us and we were just so grateful to have them like you know, even do that. Um, So we're really blessed with such supportive friends. Um, And then of course, like my family, um, I I haven't gone to see them a lot, but um, I I check in with my parents um, fairly frequently just to make sure they're doing okay. Um, I think it's a little bit of transition for them because I've been living at home up until this point and for them not to have like me at home is is weird. Um, And then as far as like, handling relationships um my boyfriend and I I feel like have definitely grown our relationship stronger as I went through this whole process like he has been the person I've leaned on the most when I feel like my anxiety is at an all-time high or when I've had really rough shifts and I come home crying like he's that person I uh, that I talk to and kind of unload everything and he's really good about like acknowledging how I feel and like letting me know, like, even though he doesn't know exactly what happened or can't like relate, you know, to what I went through, like he's there to listen and to kind of just tell me that, you know, I got through it and the next shift will be another, a a new day. And you kind of just have to um, brush yourself off and start going again. Um, But there's also been like some barriers as to like how we're not able to, I guess, like, 
spend as much time like on a date night because I'm so like busy with work. And so we've just been trying to be more creative with how we spend time with each other, um, setting aside time like before I go to work to spend time together. That way, like if I'm working three nights in a row, I can still have time to spend with him and like just for him or for us. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like things that are constantly changing and just learning how to be um, adaptable with them. <laughs> Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's really nice to have people who are understanding and accepting of your schedule and your job and what it entails, even if they can't fully understand and know what you see, they're empathetic to your experience. Um, you know, it was funny when you were talking about your boyfriend switching. Um, my boyfriend <laughs> was visiting me for a little bit um, for my birthday and I had to work um, a few days and he like also tried oh. to switch <laughs> and I didn't like ask him to or anything. He was like, I'm just going to stay up late. Oh. Um, and that was really cute. Um, but yeah, go boyfriends. <laughs> um, so what has helped you to mentally disconnect on your days off? I think just getting outside. Uh, I know you've mentioned it before, but like seriously, the lack of sunlight that you get while working night shift is insane. So like going outside for a walk or for a run. Um, for me, I've also been, um, I've tried journaling to like kind of put everything that I've, I think about about work on paper and then kind of like leaving it there behind. Um, that's also helped whenever like I, get to just like watch movies <laughs> it helps distract me um sometimes like things like cooking or like cleaning helps me kind of feel more organized at home so it helps me disconnect from all the chaos that happens at work um and yeah just like keeping busy with um what's cool and taking care of <laughs> the house great um looking back what has improved the most for you and what do you feel like you still struggle with? I feel like my pre-shift anxieties have definitely improved a lot. And I don't know if that's because um, recently, ever since we moved in with our friends, we've had more like social interaction with other people. And so I've had less time to think about <laughs> how worried I am for work um, or if I'm just like slowly getting a little bit more comfortable with like showing up to work and knowing my routine and um, knowing that, you know, if I do need help, I can ask, I know who to ask. Um, so just like, I've noticed a huge difference in that. Um, I also think like setting, staying on my crazy night shift routine, even on my days off has helped my sleeping schedule a little bit more. Um, I can definitely feel my body getting more sleep than when I was trying to flip back and forth from days to nights to nights to days. Um, and yeah, just like growing a little bit more confident in myself and in my nursing skills. <laughs> um, just the little things that you start noticing happening. <laughs> Great. Um, one more question. And I asked the same question um, when I interviewed my buddy AJ, who's also Filipino. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to first of all, just preface this by saying that one person can never, um, you know, represent the experiences of an entire community. Mm -hmm. um, and that no one should ever feel obligated to 
explain to you or teach anyone about what it's like to be part of their minority community. Um, but I do want to give you the opportunity, if you want to take it, to talk about what your experience has been like being a Filipino nurse in America. Yeah, that's a great question. Um <clears throat> Like I mentioned earlier, it's like almost very stereotypical for if you have a Filipino child, especially like a daughter to go into nursing. Um, and growing up here, I am really close to my church family who is like they're predominantly Filipinos. And so um, I was like always influenced by them to go into nursing. But like I said, I wanted to go ag against the grain. I didn't want to like follow the stereotype. Uh, but eventually, like, I found my own way here, like, that genuinely meant something to me. Um, and then when I do work, I do, I work with, like, a handful of other Filipina nurses and, and nursing assistant. And I think, like, I was able to relate to them more and build a rapport with them really easily because we kind of, like, you know, have an understanding of each other. Um, and then from a, the patient side, it's funny because I've gotten, like, I would say a handful of comments from patients saying like, oh yeah, Filipinos are like, there's so many Filipino nurses or you guys are always like, you know, such good nurses or something. And I feel like I almost have to like embody that or like step up to the plate to like meet their expectations of like what a Filipino nurse is like to them. Uh, oh, interesting. yeah. It's, it's been really like, I just like this past week, actually, I've had like, three different patients comment on my me being Filipina and me being a nurse and I thought that that was really weird like that's probably the most I've ever most interaction of that kind I've had in a single week um but yeah like I for a little bit of time like I felt like I felt pressured to meet the expectation um and I don't know like I think like a lot of people just um maybe see like us being Filipina and and like our culture to be such a hus hospitable culture like we're very big on like serving others that it translates into nursing pretty well and um I guess I try to do my best to do that also um but yeah like I I mean I thankfully I haven't really gotten anything like negative out of it so far it's been like pretty positive like comments and positive interactions and people just like making these notes that like oh yeah we I have had many Filipino nurses before and they've all been great and they kind of like also reflect that on me and <laughs> I'm really grateful that they do but also like I feel pressured to almost like okay I need to like do more for this patient to make sure that I keep that image of a really nice Filipino nurse <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny and such an added <laughs> you know, scenario to what you experience at work. Like no one's ever, you know, come up to me and been like, wow, I've had a bunch of white <laughs> nurses taking care of my babies. Like you white nurses are great. <laughs> like, you know, so I definitely, I don't know what that's like at all, but thank you so much for sharing your experience. And now I feel like I, you know, understand a little bit of what it's like more, um, yeah, you know, I'm just me over here being a white girl trying to learn. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I feel like, you know, these are things that you don't really think about. But, like, people I, – I feel like from my hospital, we get, like, a pretty diverse, like, eth ethnical ethnicity in our patient population. And so I don't see as 
I, I don't see, I guess, what you would call, like, discrimination or, like, racism that often. But when we do, you can, like, clearly see it. And so, like, I've taken care of some of those patients. And um, thankfully, a lot of my coworkers, like, know that they, they've also experienced that. And they can, like, help guide me in how I approach certain patients who are like that. Um, but because we take care of, like, so many different ethnicities and cultures, a lot of us have really embraced the idea of, like, oh, like, sh- share a little bit about what, like, certain um, ethnicities value. Like, if you, uh, when you're caring for um, a Hispanic patient, they really value, like, being able to communicate with their family. And so if, like, they don't have a phone or a means to communicate, like, offer them, like, some sort of way and same thing with, like, uh, I've noticed in our Russian patient population, like, family is very valuable to them. Um, or how some certain groups tend to not to have this um, stoicism, like, where they don't like to show their weaknesses. And so you really have to pick up on, like, the nonverbal cues that they might give to kind of help them work work through how they're feeling and like be able to offer help and for them to be able to receive help. And so, yeah, this is like the, the part of nursing that I guess I, do, I didn't learn in my ADN um, program because like, of course, this is like interaction and, and community. Um, and I've just been learning it as I, I work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I think, me knowing to ask that question is part my experience from a BSN program and part my experience from just being a human in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, those are all really awesome insights that you gave. Um, thank you for sharing and for teaching me. Um, I'm going to move forward a little bit with our super fun part. <laughs> my Speed round with surprise questions. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Don't think too much. Mm-hmm. Just whatever answer pops up. Um, coffee versus tea. And what do you order? Coffee. And my go-to order is an eggnog latte. Oh, my gosh. Yum. <laughs> and do they make that year round? No, they just. I think a lot of coffee stands just stopped selling it. So now I'm going back to my go-to order of um, an iced white mocha. <laughs> oh, that also sounds good. Um, what do you listen to on your way to and from work? I listen to a podcast called Views that is hosted by David Dobrik and Jason Nash. And it's just like a super random podcast that helps me get my mind off of things. Oh, cool. What do they talk about? Uh, literally like their day-to-day lives um, because they're both really big YouTubers. And so they talk about how the all the crazy adventures that they go to on their day-to-day lives. I don't know. It's super random and it's like really funny stories about their friend groups and it's just like a great you know like time for me to turn off my brain (laughs) yeah no that sounds fun that's good um are you a meal prepper or an order grinner Ooh, a little bit of both um currently my boyfriend and I are meal prepping to like stay on a healthy healthy eating habits um but sometimes we also like to splurge in our food and eat out (laughs) What is your favorite brand of scrubs? Definitely figs. <laughs> I own like too many pairs. <laughs> I don't even want to count. Who should chart at 7 a.m.? 7 a.m.? Probably the day shift nurse. 
I'm usually off by then. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess that's easier for you. For me, it's a it's more of a toss up because like the shifts start and end at seven. Oh, I know? see. Like my shift is from seven p to seven thirty a. So then we're all like, no one really knows. I'm like, do I chart at seven? Do you chart oh. at seven? Usually I'm like hey, I'm going to chart the seven o'clock. And then they're like, okay, sounds good. And then I just do that before I leave just to cover my bases. But I don't know. No one really knows, which is why I asked. Yeah, I don't know. I like to do a quick chart one last time at like six, in between six to 6.15 as my last quick chart. Um, But that's Mm -hmm. about it. It, Like I do my morning vitals at 4 (laughs) a.m. And then my last quick chart at between those times. Right. Um, What sea animal are you? Ooh. Maybe a a turtle. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Why? I know that I asked you in like two seconds. You might not know, but I don't know. I just feel like they're always like super chill, and <laughs> I want to embody that and kind of just like go go on my own pace and not try to get too overwhelmed and flustered with everything happening. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> I love that. Um, that's so cute. Uh, what's your favorite smell? Smell? Mm-hmm. I think, like, the smell of, like, clean linen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were saying you liked chores earlier, so <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. Uh, one, like, final question for you. Um, what's, like, coming up next for you? Like, is there anything that you're excited about that's happening in the future that you want to share? Well, Right now, I just recently started my RN to BSN program. So I'm, I guess, like really excited to finally get it going and hopefully finish by before the next year starts. Um, and then kind of just like seeing where my first year of nursing leads me to because I have the option of either staying on my unit after my first year or I can kind of venture out to other units after I've committed my first full year on my current unit so just kind of seeing where that leads me oh yeah how exciting I'm so excited for you (laughs) thank you Um, now here is my actual final question if someone really resonated with anything you said if someone has a question Mm -hmm. for you or wants to contact you or work with you or whatever um how can they find you yeah um if anyone is wanting to talk anything relating to nursing (laughs) um I have an Instagram my handle is at and then it's my name Mary Yuleen um or feel free to also email me I respond to emails as fast as I can um and it's just my name Mary the letter E and then my last name O-L-A-Y-O-N at gmail.com um but yeah I love being able to share my story because I feel like it gives another whole different set of perspective to how diverse nursing it really is. Um, and I love just being able to connect with other people and hear their stories as well. Uh, yeah, Mary, I loved hearing your story. Thank you so much for your time. You're so full of hope and light and also just so young, but so strong. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really excited to see where you go and, I'm really excited for other people to hear your story and learn from you and learn about your experience. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. It was really great being able to to ramble on and also kind of hear bits and pieces of your end of nursing. (laughs) Yeah. 
thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you liked it. I want to reach as many new nurses as I can, so it would mean so much to me if you could follow and interact with us on social media at Registered the Podcast on Instagram and share this show with any new nurses you know who may be interested in being a part of this community. If any of this resonated with you, please subscribe on whatever you're listening with, either Apple Music or Spotify. I really want to deliver content that is helpful and meaningful for you, so please leave a review um, so I know what you liked and what else I can do to make this resonate even more with you. Finally, if you're interested in sharing your story, there is a link in our Instagram bio at Registered the Podcast for you to fill out with your information so I can contact you. Thanks so much. Can't wait to hear from you.